As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Everyone, welcome back to the Straight A Nursing podcast. This is Nurse Mo, and today we are going to be talking about hypothyroidism. I get a lot of questions, and it seems like a lot of you are confused or having trouble with endocrine disorders. So I thought this would be a great way to talk about all of the endocrine disorders, and we would start with one that is near and dear to my heart, haha, hypothyroidism, because I just had to start taking medication for hypothyroid, and yes, I'm a little bit cranky about it. So if you hear a lot of background noise, I apologize. I have been putting off this episode for so long because we're doing some work on the house, and every time I want to come record, there's saws and nail guns and all kinds of ruckus, but I finally decided, you know what, I can't hold off. I don't think anybody's going to care that much about a little background noise. Also, I might sound a little strange because I've also been sick, so I am on the tail end of that, thank goodness. So today we're going to talk again about hypothyroidism, and the way we're going to do this is through the latte method. So if you don't know what the latte method is, I will put the link to it in the description below so that you can go to it on the website and see what it is. There's also a podcast about the latte method as well. So if you search for that, you'll find it. And then if you look on the website, you'll find it there as well. So basically the latte method is just a short, simple, easy way to keep different disease states straight in your head so that you can really rock those exams. But first we're going to talk just a little bit of an overview of the thyroid gland. It's a very important, tiny little gland there in the neck, and it regulates a lot of things in the body. So heart rate is one of the big things, breathing, uh, nervous system temperature, the menstrual cycle is even regulated by thyroid hormones, who knew? Plus, of course, a lot of other hormones, as you all know. Um, The rate calories are burned, even muscle contraction, and the rate that dying cells are replaced. All of these things are regulated either in whole or in part by the thyroid hormone. So it's really important that the thyroid hormone be functioning properly and that the body has adequate levels of thyroid hormone in order to operate optimally. So your patient has hypothyroidism. So remember, hypo means too low. That's an easy way to remember. And so we're going to go through what this patient looks like, how you assess them, what treatments they will have, how you educate them using the latte method. So the L in latte stands for look. How is this patient going to look when they come to see you with their problems? So very common for a patient with hypothyroidism to be fatigued, complain of being very lethargic, feeling very tired, 
They might say that they feel cold all the time. They could even have some joint pain. Their face can be puffy, especially around the eyes. They may be overweight. You may notice some peripheral edema, dry skin. They might say that they're a bit constipated or even very constipated. When you take their temp, you might see that their body temperature is on the low side. They'll likely have a lower heart rate than you might expect. Thin hair, thin eyebrows, especially that outer third of the eyebrow could be very thin. Their nails could be brittle. They could be thin. They may break a lot. They could even have slow speech and tell you that they're having difficulty thinking clearly. And even their voice could be very hoarse because of an enlarged goiter. Excuse me. See, I'm still sick. I do not have a hoarse voice because of hypothyroid. My levels are fine. So if the hypothyroidism is severe, like really bad, then what happens is mucopolysaccharides, they accumulate between cells. And this is called myxedema. So remember that word, myxedema. So this fluid retention, basically, you'll see a lot in the face, could even see it in the tongue, eyelids. The hands and the feet are also common locations. So this hypothyroidism could be so severe that the patient has significant bradycardia, a very low body temperature, and even a low blood pressure. They will most likely be unconscious and very likely unarousable. And this is called myxedema coma. So this is one of those things that I learned about in nursing school. And then I actually had a patient who presented just exactly textbook like that. So this patient was brought into the emergency room. I think maybe one of those found down kind of situations. I don't really remember. And just unarousable, would not wake up, would not wake up. Heart rate was really slow, like in the 40s. Blood pressure was low, had to be on medication to keep the blood pressure up. Body temp was very low. And finally, I don't remember how long this went on. Maybe, you know, he got there and maybe later that day or the next morning on rounds, somebody thought, let's check a TSH level. Turns out this poor patient was in a myxedema coma and so got treatment for that and wouldn't you know it perked right up. So the classic presentation of myxedema coma really does happen in real, real life. So that's the L of the patient. The highlights there that you really probably need to know for exams is that the patient could be fatigued, they could have some of that edema, they may be overweight, lethargic, that low heart rate is key, and that hoarseness in the voice, you may also be presented with that as a key sign or symptom. So the next letter in latte is A, and that is how are we going to assess this guy or gal that comes in and has these issues with hypothyroidism? Well, knowing what you do now about all the things in the body that the thyroid has a hand in, it kind of guides how you'll assess this patient. You want to check their heart rate, see if their heart rate is at an adequate rate, You know, and then if the patient's a long distance cyclist or something and they're 
resting heart rate is 52, you're probably not going to freak out about that because that's just a side effect of their superior conditioning. Um, But if your patient does not look like a long distance cyclist and they have a heart rate of 52, they could be having problems because of hypothyroidism. You also want to check a temp, see if they have a low temperature related to their hypothyroidism, weigh them, assess their level of fatigue. You also want to palpate the thyroid. So uh, when the thyroid is out of whack, you can develop a goiter. There can be nodules on the thyroid. So you want to make sure that there's not a goiter developing. And I have seen goiter before, and it can be drastic. Um, Think of a bullfrog with the big neck that bulges out and think about that being present all the time and how uncomfortable that would be. That's what a goiter can be like. And if you look online and just Google goiter pictures, you will be amazed at how large these things can get. So you essentially, whatever symptoms the patient is coming to you with, you want to assess the severity of those symptoms and also look for edema, which can be pretty common in patients with hypothyroidism. Before I was diagnosed with my hypothyroidism, I would always have this edema, like when I would take my compression socks off at the end of my shift, they would leave very, very clear designs on my legs. And I thought, wow, that's strange, but I didn't really put it together until after I got my hypothyroid diagnosis and realized, oh, I probably just have some edema because things are not functioning properly. It has gotten better. Thank goodness. Okay. So that was the A in latte for assess. There are two T's in latte and the first one is for tests. So how is this condition going to be tested? What labs, what diagnostics are we looking at? So the main lab that the MD will follow is the TSH. This stands for thyroid stimulating hormone. So this is one of those feedback loops that you learned in your anatomy and physiology class. And it is a, seems a little backwards, but if you think about the pathway, it makes perfect sense. So TSH levels are going to be elevated when the thyroid hormone is low. That thyroid hormone is low, so the body's sending out a whole bunch of the stimulating hormone trying to get thyroid hormone amped up, right? So TSH is high when thyroid levels are low. So think about that as the feedback loop, and you'll remember the relationship between those two. And then there's T4 and T3. The MD may look at a T4 level or a T3 level. Basically, T3 is that more active form of the thyroid hormone in the body, and T4 is the inactive form. But what happens is that T4 is converted into T3, essentially in the liver and the gut. So you'll see in a little bit that a lot of the times the doctor will just prescribe T4, knowing that the body's going to convert it to T3 anyway. And then they may also look at a free T4. That could be low or low normal in a patient with hypothyroidism. Free T4 is basically thyroid hormone that is free to enter the cell and be biologically available. So your patient would have possibly a normal or a low or low normal free T4 level. You also want to assess for a elevated cholesterol level because cholesterol regulation in the body is 
one of those things that the thyroid hormone has a hand in. So you'll often see a patient with hypothyroidism have hypercholesterolemia. Is that a word? Did I just make up a word? Their cholesterol levels may be elevated. So the second T in latte is treatments. How do we treat hypothyroidism? So the main treatment is giving the patient synthetic T4. Remember, the body's going to convert that T4 into T3 in most cases without us having to do anything. So the drug for that is levothyroxine, brand name Synthroid. There might be a few others, but that's the main one. It's super cheap, it's widely available, and it's pretty darn consistent from one um, batch to the next. Apparently at one time, there, or even now, between brands, there is a little bit of a difference in the strength or the amount of the medication in there. So the doctor's not going to have you switching from one brand to another. If you're on Synthroid, you're on Synthroid. That's your drug. So levothyroxine is again T4 and your body will convert it into that more active form, which is T3. And the general rule with thyroid hormone replacement is start low and go slow. You don't want to overshoot it, which can cause signs of hyperthyroidism. So the patient may complain of a very, very rapid heart rate insomnia, feeling really anxious, having heat intolerance, things like that. You don't want to go overboard. So typically they'll start low and reassess the TSH levels to fine tune the dosage. And most people will end up on 100 to 125 micrograms of levothyroxine. If for some reason your body or your patient's body is not able to do that conversion effectively, the physician or nurse practitioner may prescribe T3, and I'm going to mess up how to pronounce this, lyothyronine. That sounds pretty good if it's right. Also known by brand name Cytomel, which is synthetic T3. And then yet another option is a combination T3, T4 therapy, which could be a drug called Thyrolar, brand name Liatrix, or natural desiccated thyroid, which is what it sounds like. It's dried thyroid gland of a pig in pill form. And this is called Naturethroid or Armorthroid. You probably won't see this too much at your traditional physician's office, but if you're the type of person that sees a naturopath for things like this, then that's most likely who would prescribe Naturethroid or Armorthroid, though it could be on some formularies for some insurance companies to provide. And important to point out that if the patient has the myxedema coma, they're going to be getting IV forms of uh, T3 and T4. That's the current recommendation that I saw on up to date versus one over the other. There, some One time there was some discussion about just giving them straight T3, but the research is showing that combination therapy is more effective. And then the last letter in latte is an E, and that is for educate. How will you educate the patient or the patient's family in cases where that needs to be done as well? And mainly with hypothyroidism, a lot of the education is going to center around taking the medication properly because it does have some rules and regulations. So levothyroxine has to be taken for optimal effect 
in the morning on an empty stomach, wait 30 minutes, optimally an hour before anything besides water is ingested. And I'm telling you, that is a thing about having hypothyroidism that makes me the most cranky because I had a very specific morning routine up until all this. And it did not include waking up super early, taking a pill, and then waiting an hour before I have my coffee. I'm just going to tell you that right now. But I have come up with a system where I put my little pill at the bed on my nightstand and I'm not a great sleeper. So I wake up multiple times in the night. And if I wake up anytime after 5 a.m. or on a work day before 4.30 when my alarm goes off, I'll take my pill and then I'll kind of go back to sleep for a little bit. And that seems to be working fine. Probably not the best thing because the rules and regulations suggest that you take it at the same time every day. So that's what you would teach your patients. Levothyroxine also has a lot of interactions with other medications and things. So you want to definitely instruct your patient not to take any iron supplements, any calcium supplements, or magnesium, which we'll also see in antacids. So if they take an antacid every day, they got to wait a bit before they take it after taking the levothyroxine. Sucralfate. Uh, cholestyramine, which is a, a med used to treat high levels of cholesterol and K-exalate can all, uh, <coughs> lose efficacy when taken with levothyroxine or vice versa, cause the levothyroxine to have reduced efficacy. Also propon, proton pump inhibitors and H2 receptor blockers. You want to have the patient wait before they take those because those are going to reduce stomach acid and you really want that thyroid medication to be absorbed optimally into the GI tract. You can tell your patient that they are likely to start seeing improvements in their symptoms in about two weeks. If more than two weeks go by and they're not feeling significantly better, they need to come back and have their TSH level retested. They probably need a dose adjustment. And let them know that if you've got, you're talking to a woman of childbearing age, that her dose may need to be increased during pregnancy. So let's review quickly all the highlights about hypothyroidism. So for the L, for look, fatigued, lethargic, overweight, they may say that their thought processes are slow, thin hair, brittle nails, maybe a hoarse voice with a goiter. For assessment, you're looking at heart rate, their temp, their weight, their level of fatigue. You want to assess for a goiter and edema. For the test, the main test again is that TSH level. It's going to be high when the thyroid hormone in the body is low because of that feedback loop. Highlight, you also want to check for elevated cholesterol levels because that can go hand in hand. And then for treatments, the mainstay of treatment is that T4, that levothyroxine, also known as Synthroid, that the patient needs to take on an empty stomach and wait 30 minutes to an hour before having anything else, and then should avoid calcium, magnesium, iron, and a few other meds around the time that they're taking their levothyroxine. And then that myxedema coma is another thing that you probably will have on a test. Again, that patient is going to be severely bradycardic, possibly hypotensive, unarousable, low body temperature. And the treatment that you're going to be administering to this patient is that 
intravenous T3 and T4 medication, most likely. So one thing that you really want to be aware of, if your patient is hypothyroid and they're not in a euthroid state, that optimal level where we want them to be, and they are a type of person with a low body temperature and they have surgery, think about how that's going to impact your care after surgery. Because after surgery, one of the things that you're going to watch for very carefully is signs of infection. And one of the first signs that you pick up on when there is an infection is an elevated temperature. So if this patient is hypothyroid, I want you to think about other ways that you would spot signs of infection in your patient. So just a little something to think about. And then, so I didn't tell you guys that I have an announcement. So very exciting, huge change in my life announcement. So as you know, I'm in graduate school getting my master's in nursing education And while it's not nearly as bonkers as undergraduate nursing school, it's still really busy, especially with working full-time and doing all the stuff that I do with the website and the podcast and all of that. So working full-time in the ICU was kind of crushing me while I'm in school. And I found that I was, you know, every week calling, trying to see, are you overstaffed? I'll take the day off if you need to call somebody off, you know, just trying to work two days a week because... I can handle that and go to graduate school. That seems to work okay. But, (coughs) excuse me, it just was too much for me right now. So I actually switched units. I am now working in the PACU per diem, and it is, so far, amazing. So it's a totally different phase of care, so I'm getting to learn about that, and it's an eight hour shift and it's per diem. Did I mention that? And it's just going to be so great while I'm finishing up school to have a little more flexibility, shorter shifts so that I can still probably do some school stuff before I go into work. I'm most likely going to work in the afternoons, like two to 10, two to 11. And I'm very excited about the positive lifestyle changes that are happening because of this. Of course, I am going to miss working with the critically ill patients, so I will most likely pick up shifts in the ICU every now and then, maybe once a month or so, just so I stay sharp with my critical thinking in that critically ill arena. And so that's about it for the work stuff which is just so huge and so big. And I'm on orientation. So I get to go back to being a learner and, you know, a a beginner in something, which is always just different and kind of refreshing to see things from that point of view. And then the other thing I have to tell you guys about, the planners are available You probably already know this, but if you didn't and you've been waiting for them or you have no idea what I'm talking about, I make planners for nursing students and they are absolutely incredible. They are geared specifically for the nursing student or the pre-nursing students. Very, very, very busy, intense, full academic schedule. So you can check those out at our Etsy shop, which is www.etsy.com slash slash shop slash straight a nursing. I will put the URL again in the episode notes 
and on the website so that you can find it, but they are absolutely amazing. So we have a new cover this year and I hate to talk about it because there's only like four left of one of these, but it's so cute. It says I heart nursing, but the heart is like an anatomical actual heart drawing. It's really cute. By far the most popular uh, cover design that we have. There's maybe four or so left, probably be completely gone by the time you get this podcast up, up, uh, uploaded. But, um, that one we were really excited about. And then the very popular red poppies are back for an encore performance. Everybody loved those last time. And then my personal favorite, the purple, it's kind of a lilac marble. It's just so peaceful and pretty. I'm a just fan of marble pattern overall. And then we added a fourth Another new one, a lot of you had asked for a more subdued kind of color palette. So it's like a a blush pink watercolor. It's very soft and very calming as well. So these planners always, always sell out. Get yours before they're gone. We are selling faster than we anticipated. So if you want one, I would highly suggest snagging one while you can. And find out if any of your friends want one. If you guys pull your orders together and then order them all under the same, um, you know, all in the same order. I can fit up to five in one box. So you only pay one shipping fee for up to five planners. I can shove five in that box. So um, do that, get your friends to get one and then you save a lot on shipping. So that's good news. And then grad school update. So again, as you know, I'm getting my master's in nursing education. I'm coming to the end of the semester. I could not be more thrilled. I spent all day yesterday writing a paper and for some reason, it was just so painful. I just did not want to write this paper. And I kept putting it off and kept putting it off. And it's actually a very interesting topic. I just didn't feel like doing anything. And it's um, contemporary issues in nursing education. So I wrote about concept-based curriculum. And I am really intrigued by this. So I did not learn in a concept-based curriculum. I learned in a traditional curriculum where you take med search, and then you take OB, and then you take PEDS, and then you take this and that. And concept-based curriculum is completely different, but possibly a better way of preparing our new nurses for more effective, safer, more optimal healthcare delivery. So I am really interested. If any of you are in a concept-based curriculum, I would love to hear from you and your experience with that. And also how my website can help you because I didn't take a concept-based curriculum, but I still want to be able to help those of you that are in that type of program. So how are you using my materials? Are they helping you? Could they be different types of materials that would help you? So please reach out. Let me know. I love hearing from you guys. And then with summer coming up, I don't have a ton of summer plans because I honestly can't wrap my brain around the idea of not having to do schoolwork every day. And I'm just, I'm all, a little bit like, what, what do you do in your free time? I don't even know. But one of the things I'm doing, I'm going to a Pilates place this next weekend to try it out. It's like one of those reformer places And I might just buy classes for the whole summer, like buy a membership for the summer and do that. And then I live right by a lake. So I love going for walks by the lake. I'm going to Napa early June, probably again for my birthday. I might go camping in July. Um, I don't have any huge plans because I'm going to try to work a fair amount because when school starts, I'm really only going to work a couple days a week. 
Um, so I need to put some pennies in the bank, but mostly I'm just excited to have beautiful weather and not have schoolwork to do every day. And also spend a little more time and attention on the website and the podcast and getting you guys the things you need to succeed. I will also be launching the boot camp finally this summer. Grad school really threw a wrench into my plans to get that thing out. I am getting it out this summer and I'm very excited about that. And if you don't know what boot camp is real quick, it is for students starting their programs. So going in to their first semester of nursing school. My boot camp covers key concepts that will really help you succeed. You'll be way ahead of the game, vastly far ahead of everybody else. If you can get these key concepts in your head before school even starts, because your professors are going to talk about them, but they're going to be going 500 miles an hour because there is so, so much for them to give you and impart to you in those first few weeks. But if you go in knowing these key concepts, you're going to be rock solid for your for your start of nursing school. So I'm excited about that. And then if you are getting to this podcast via iTunes and you have no idea about the website, I have a treat for you because my website is amazing. So go to the website. It's straightanursingstudent.com. You will find tons of free resources, blog posts, all kinds of things that can help you study and be more organized and be a really awesome nursing student. I also have premium study guides and a few other resources like that that are amped up a notch to that little bit of a higher level that are also available. And there's a Facebook group called Happy Healthy Nursing Students. So if you go to the Facebook page, the Straight A Nursing Straight I can't even talk anymore. The Straight A Nursing Facebook page. Um, I think it's facebook.com slash straight A Nursing Student. You can link to the group from there. Um, and it's just a really nice group. There's about 1,200 people in it. It's a growing group and really helpful with each other with the goal of let's stay sane, let's stay healthy, let's stay less stressed, let's help each other get through nursing school without a lot of the, you know, nursing school, a lot of bad things start to happen. You stop working out, you stop eating so well, you stop sleeping, and you really end up a stress ball by the end. So I really wanted to help alleviate that with this Facebook group. So go check those things out. And then if you are interested in a planner, check it out at etsy.com slash shop slash straighty nursing. And then, um, I also have an Instagram where I put a lot of updates about our inventory, like if we're about to sell out of a particular one. So if you follow Straight A Nurse on Instagram, you will see that. And that was a lot of talking, but I haven't talked to you guys in several weeks and I missed you. So thank you so much for hanging out with me today, sharing your very precious free time with me. And I'm kind of excited. There wasn't a ton of background noise. You might hear, I hear a leaf blower right now and my cat snores really loud, but I'm hoping that you can't hear all of her snoring. And I think next we'll talk about hyperthyroidism. And then if you guys let me know what topic in endocrine you want to learn about next, and we'll do that. And I also think coming up one of the next few episodes, I will do a thing where I look at all the emails that you've been sending me and answer your questions. I do respond back to people individually, but I realize probably somebody else has this question too. So I might do a little thing like that. So check that out and 
Good luck on finals for those of you on that schedule. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another episode of the Straight A Nursing Podcast. Thanks, everyone. This podcast is brought to you by straightanursingstudent.com. Copyright Mo Media. you find it hard to sleep at night then the calm cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long calm cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds like ocean waves and crackling fires all of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast calm cove is brought to you by the team behind sleep cove the sleep podcast that consists of spoken word hypnosis meditation and stories so if you want to listen to a beautiful soundscape tonight search for calm cove on apple podcasts or spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night